0: Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now here's today's message. In First Corinthians chapter 2 verse four. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on god's power as we enter into our third part of this series called spiritual authority developed i want to speak to you from this idea activated by faith activated by faith come on would you pray with me um dear king i pray father that today we would hear your words father i pray lord that our faith would be activated That, Father, that you would rise up inside of us, Lord, and that we would receive the practical handles that we need to be able to live out a life of faith. Lord, we're grateful that we have been rooted in our identity, Lord. We're excited, Lord Jesus, to expand in intimacy. And now, Father, as we're activated by faith, Lord, I pray that it would be to your glory, Lord. John 3.30, Lord God, let me decrease as you increase. Let it be your words and not my words, Father. It's in your beautiful beautiful name that we pray, Lord. Amen and amen. Come on, would you put your hands together one more time if you're believing? Come on, if you're believing for Jesus to give you a word today, come on. I, uh, for many of you, everybody here should know that I am from Miami, Florida, um, and I I love Miami. Um, I've uh, I've been back several times obviously since then because I I, I miss home every now and then, but here's what I miss about Miami I don't miss Miami. I miss the people like I miss Marcus. That's it Like that's only thing I miss. I don't miss anything I don't miss the beeping. I don't miss the cursing at you when you're in the car I don't miss cursing at people when i'm in my car by myself. I don't miss any I don't miss any of those things. There's nothing that I miss about that city I will say one thing that I do miss about it is the food I will say this. I miss the fact that you can actually eat something after nine o'clock. Because Kennesaw, Ackworth, Marietta, Georgia, like, bro, you're done. All you have is like cookout. McDonald's. Steak and shake is closed. They don't even do 24. We go play baseball when I come. I'm like, I shouldn't say this because I'm like telling on myself, but I'll finish playing baseball with Kevin and the guys. And I'll I'll pull up the steak and shake like I could do a burger right now. Nope. There's nothing like, you know, and there's nothing wrong with eating a steak with rice and beans and plantains at two in the morning, y'all. That's Miami. At three in the morning, you're on a Versailles. You can go wherever you want to go. There's food everywhere. Different countries, different cultures. What I've learned, though, in Georgia is that even food is different. The culture here's barbecue and Mexican like and then you got to go to Duluth Lawrenceville You got to drive for like eight hours or go down to Atlanta and get four tickets and harassed by 18 people But but the, the food is just different Like I've noticed even as I built this church or we built this church What I've noticed is that even when we bring people to the house and my wife is a Cuban restaurant by herself Like she can cook like by herself. That's why I've I've been so healthy in my life. Praise the Lord Yo, what's funny is that we will tell people, and we'll we'll separate food, and there's two types of people. There's one type of people that they're just like, yo, just throw it all in there. Like, you mix it all up, and you eat it all together, and it's just like everything. Let's just eat it. And then there's people that you're just like, I just don't want the beans to touch my rice. Bro, what? Oh, my God, bro. I understand. Chicken and French fries. Everywhere you go. Ruth Chris, chicken and French fries. But, yo... They, and then there's people that, you know, it's like, okay, here's the thing when it's Thanksgiving, like, yo, let's put the food in because I like to proportion it. And I don't know what I want my last bite to me. I don't know if I want it to be sweet or if I want it to be salty. Like I want to, I don't know. So I'm going to little by little, I'm going to do everything together. But there are other times that I just kind of want to throw it together, mix the rice and the beans up. Cut the meat for me, baby. <laughs> Even though I'm a whole grown man. Cut the meat, shred the chicken for me, baby do it. I like the way you shred my chicken. That sounds inappropriate. That sounds horrible. Shred my chicken. What does that even mean, Chino? Don't log off people online. I love you. (laughs) What's funny is that as I, I started kind of preparing this message, I started to think about the world that we live in. And when we think about the gifts of the spirit, when we think about spiritual authority, when we think about the mandate that God has put on our life as Christians, as believers, we are not supposed to be like, listen to me, ministry, reaching people, Trying to go after the lost, that's not the Mendizabal's job because they've, called, they've been called to ministry and because they're powerful. That's not Chino's job. That's not Pastor Marcus's job. That's the job of the church of Jesus Christ. You know what my responsibility and my job is? The Bible says according to Ephesians chapter 4 that it's to train you up for the ministry. That you would understand that God has given you a green light. He's given you authority, but it's in Matthew 28, 19 that he gives you this word called the Great Commission. And that means to be sent out with power and authority. We miss, we love the power and authority part, but we miss out the fact that he actually sends us out, that we are to be his witnesses, that there is a responsibility in our life. But the world that we live in, as I started to look at everything, we are so pluralistic and syncretic that, that it's just absolutely insane. Pluralistic, it means that we believe in this United States of America, really in the world, but definitely in the United States of America and the Western world, we believe in so many different religious religions there's so many different i mean bro you can find a religion for everything and then some organizations have slowly become religions because you give money to them you recruit people they have meeting places they have branding they have advertisements they actually reach out they do that they start from schools at a very young age and you can fill in the blank with those organizations but there are many they all of a sudden those things become religions But then we're synchristic in the sense that we grab all of these religions and we sync them together. And that's what we are right now as a nation. Because we say hallelujah, glory to God, I love Jesus. Jesus first, Jesus is Lord. Leo season. It's Scorpio season. What? it's absolutely mind-boggling to me when I hear Christians who understand the Bible says that you're going to reap what you sow and they understand that scripturally way before there was ever a a Buddhist or, or, or a religion shaped around that before there was ever any of those things that we use the words like karma like that if you do good you'll receive good back yo that's what the bible calls sowing and reaping that's not what the bible calls karma but we're so syncretic in our in our in our ideology and in our theology that we begin to grab things from different religions and we begin to grab things that we see in the world and we say yo let's bring that i'm a christian but i'm gonna do a little bit of this Like, I could do a little bit of this. That's not bad. And we invite all of these things into what we call Christianity. And not only Christianity, but you could go down the line of so many different religions and so many different ideologies that have adopted from so many different places. And what happens is that in a world that's like that, And the world that believes in everything and let's throw everything in the plate, let's mix it all up and let's just eat it and let's just live that way. The only thing that's going to cut through that is the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. The only thing that's going to snap the devil's plant in half to keep our minds spinning where we don't know if we need to be listening to this or that is going to be the power of Jesus Christ. The only way that we can break through that is through the power of Jesus Christ. And for us to be able to step into this and for us to be able to see what this actually looks like, we need to walk in faith. And it's not persuasion. It's not just talking to people because Jesus's power is always going to be stronger than me just preaching. Everywhere through scripture, very rarely do you ever see the the declaration of the word of God in scripture without a demonstration, without there being power attached to it, with there, there being some type of demonstration. But People's arguments and God's power, they don't don't match up. It's always going to be God's power. That's what God wants to see us do. But I think through scripture, you can see it in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. He talked about it. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith may not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. I can convince you with persuasive words. But somebody could come after me who's a little bit more persuasive and they can convince you. And now you got you and your family shipwrecked thinking and you got a freaking living room filled of things that you bought because you were going to sell them on eBay. But then you just got them there because somebody else persuaded you with better words. So what do we do? How do we evade or avoid persuasive words and begin to walk in power? I hope that you have followed along with us. And over the last few weeks, we talked about stepping into this thing called spiritual authority and how our intimacy, I'm sorry, how our identity is rooted in that. And how the world tries to conform you and make you into the image of what your childhood trauma was. Because of what happened to you when you were a kid, you put up this wall and you said, nobody's ever going to touch me there. Nobody's ever going to do this to me. Nobody's ever going to walk away. Or you yourself turn it inside and you say, I'm never going to make that mistake again. I'm not going to be stupid like my dad said that I was. And we put up these walls as children and then we grow up into adolescence, and we have more trauma that happens and we our identity is rooted in what has happened to us when in reality Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says don't be conformed to the patterns of this world that's the way that Satan loves to put you in categories but be renewed but be changed be renewed by the renewing of your mind that God wants to actually wash you in his word that he wants to make you self-aware why did I just say that why did I feel that? Why did I just do that? That there are questions, and then he wants to reveal through the word and show you who your true identity is. Last Sunday, we talked about expanding this spiritual authority through intimacy with God, that it was Jesus himself who abided with God, that he bared the Father's fruit or he bore the father's fruit. He, wasn't, he was about the father's business, not everybody else's business, and how for some of us, man, we need to turn our phones off. We need to turn Netflix off. Some of us, we need to turn the news stations off for a little while. And we actually need to spend some time with God. And when we begin to spend some time with God, we actually have to take some steps That is not just the 15 minutes in the morning, but there needs to be a actual step that we take with the Lord where we take some elongated or some longer times with the Lord that in during the month, take a day, get a Saturday and turn off your phone. Tell your spouse, babe, I'm going to go away for a few hours. For some of us, maybe we have the capacity where we can actually just spend 24 hours. Me and my wife, we were just talking about this yesterday. Every Once a year, we take three days and we just disappear. She goes to a cabin for three days. I take care of the kids. Dumb mugs eat Tostino's pizza for three straight days. Because I don't know how to cook. But they eat. She comes back and they're alive. That's a win. And then I leave and I go for three days and the kids have like lobster and crab and all that. I don't have none of that crap. <laughs> My, they're eating peanuts in a cabin. But, but it's, but praise God. But, but it's, it's time that you need to take away from God. Yo, we go so fast that we don't ever take time. Sometimes, bro, just here's a practice for you. Maybe you can't leave for so long. Just take a day and just take an hour. Watch this and just think. Like, I mean, just, just think. Like, when's the last time that you were able, not to think about whatever all the problems, but just like, God, you've been good to me. Like, let me just recall, and I'm getting ahead of myself in the message, but yo, we have to have time that we actually spend time with God. And then expanding our intimacy has to come through abiding with God, spending time with God. I think it's being there, being present in there, being intentional about everywhere that you go and everywhere that you look, every conversation that you're having, what are you saying in this conversation? When you're watching something, when you're talking to somebody, when you're going somewhere, be intentional in trying to see God in your everyday life. That's gonna up your spiritual authority. It's gonna expand the intimacy with him, I promise you. But then we have this idea of faith that Jesus has introduced. And as we look at the scripture, Every bit of our spiritual authority, you know that our our very own salvation is activated by faith. There's nothing that you can do with God that doesn't require faith. Faith was the reason why Jesus would snap on the disciples. Jesus has sent them out. Hey, I want you to go into this town and I want you to cast out demons and heal the sick and preach the gospel And they went in there and they did all of that. They came back. They gave him so much. Oh, hey, we did this We did that. He said awesome. Be happy that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life I want to humble you right now, but what I also want to do We talked about it last week I want to pull you away from the crowds because they said they didn't even have time to eat I'm gonna pull you away from the crowd so you can spend time with the father three of them stayed back with Jesus when they come back They see a little boy That is sitting there. He's demon possessed. And they can't do anything about this little boy that's demon possessed. And Jesus is sitting there. He gets frustrated with them. And he says these words to them. Matthew Matthew, chapter 17 verse 17. Then Jesus answered and said. Oh faithless and perverse generation. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. This is the most encouraging message that you can ever get. On a Sunday morning. This is beautiful. You're just filled with faith right now. You faithless and perverse generation. Faithless. There's an absence of you believing that I can actually do something. Perverse. You're thinking so much about you, your hurt, your pain, your trauma that you don't even think that I can work in and through you. Wow. And then the disciples turn to him and they say, Jesus, why?" he cast out the kids. The kids gets healed. All of this stuff is great. Then he comes back to Jesus and they say, yo, Jesus, why couldn't we do that? What happened? And Jesus tells them because that type Doesn't come out by prayer, except by prayer and fasting. Prayer, I'm going to spend time with God. Fasting, I'm going to eliminate distractions that feed my soul, that feed my body. And I'm going to take time to spend with God. Because it's faith that will change and snap things. The intimacy will bring you closer to God to understand that he's the one that snaps it. Being rooted in your identity is understanding that you're a child of God, that you're an heir of God, that God is on your side. That your past, your mistakes, the sins that you did, the things that you brought to the feet of Jesus, you no longer have to pick them up. You no longer have to live with these things because he has changed your identity. You're no longer the sin that you used to be, but it is in Romans that he said, he who knew no sin became sin, Jesus became who you used to be so that you can become who he is that you are the righteousness of god it's only through faith how do i develop the faith that jesus so desperately wants us to be mature these messages that i've been preaching now it's like 15 weeks have been super heavy uh um, very teaching messages because i want us to catch something because there's, there's, there's something coming down the pipeline and I want you to be prepared for this stuff. I want you to break generational curses. I don't want you to be, yo, COVID has created, there's, there's a difference between isolation and solitude. COVID has created a lot of isolation where people have pushed people away and they've ended up going back to their old ways and habits, et cetera, et cetera. And even our thinking has changed a little bit. And that's why we did 13 weeks of a series called Out With The New. And in with the old, because there are things in scripture that, and promises and things that God wants to do in your own personal life that, yo, you don't have to go to a new normal where you're spinning your wheels, trying to catch up with the latest trends. What do I invest in? Is it is it is it a doggy coin? Is it doggy coin? That's horrible. Bitcoin? What do I go Herbalife route? What do I do? What, what am I going to do? And you're spinning your wheels. Yo, what you do is seek Jesus. What you do is seek jesus i'm gonna make it super easy watch i promise you i want to give you some tips on how can you increase your faith number one is intimacy with god and I belabored that point and I smashed it into the ground last Sunday. If you didn't hear it, go back to listen to the message. I would love for you to do it. Where well, you produce the father's fruit, eliminate distractions, lean into him. You eat from the father's fruit, find rhythms to be able to spend time with God and abide with the father. Be there. Don't just be around God. Be intentional. Seek him and then willingly persist after him. Chase after him. But then number two, intimacy with God. How you increase your faith. Number one is intimacy with God. Number two is that you feed your faith. It's Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says that, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you want your faith to be filled up, if you want your faith to increase in Romans chapter 10 verse 17, it'll be on the screens here in just a second. It says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That means that if I study scripture, if I spend my time in the word of God, if I actually pick this thing up and actually begin to lean into it, I'm actually going to pull out keys. See, this is what we get twisted because for so long, we've got these weird theology and weird teachings of like, and yo, I believe in the keys of the kingdom that Jesus spoke to Peter. Like I believe in these things. He did give us keys and we do have authority. There are things that these keys unlock spiritually that he has given to the church, but we make this thing so kooky and weird. We begin to say that these keys are $7.99, three installments for you to get them and you'll get the keys. Yo, can I explain to you that God has given you every single key that you need and it's found inside of the word of God? Because here's what's happening. In moments of my own personal life where I didn't know where the heck I was going, I didn't know what was up, down, left, right. I didn't know what any of these things were. In my life, I had no idea what I was going to do. And I've this is probably one of my life verses. I think probably the verse that I've preached the most on in my entire life is Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six. The reason why I quoted so much, the reason why I spent so so much time trying to teach it, I was a college student for several years when me and Marcus were down in, in Miami. And one of the things that I would constantly have them learn was proverbs chapter 3 5 and 6 because a 20 something year old a 30 something year old and sometimes if you're in your 40s 50s you're always wondering god what's your purpose what's your will for my life what am i supposed to do and it's super easy trust not on your own understanding stop stop trying to figure it out yourself lean not on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge god like yo i'm gonna acknowledge you i'm gonna spend time with you i'm gonna lean into you i'm gonna I'm gonna eliminate all my distractions. I'm gonna turn my phone off Instagram. I'm gonna pull it off my thing I'm gonna turn off Netflix I'm gonna I'm gonna take away from that because I want to spend time with you And as I begin to acknowledge you the Bible says lean not on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him And he will direct your path That was a key that the Lord gave me that he showed me you want to know where to go You want to know what your next step is then you got to put that key in the key was through scripture that I need to not think the way that I think and I need to lean into God and I need to acknowledge him and then he'll direct my path. He'll show me where it is when I spend those intimate moments with him, when I go to sleep at nine o'clock instead of three o'clock in the morning, when I actually go to sleep at a good time. Why do I say that? Because I want to get up early in the morning before the kids start driving me crazy, before my wife turns to me and says, hey, baby. Super awkward pause. Super awkward pause. But I want to take those times because I want to acknowledge God. I want to spend time with him. In those moments, he begins to direct my path. Yo, there are keys that are found and they're all through scripture. That in moments of financial need, moments of healing where your body is broken. Or maybe you got family members that are in a hospital. There are keys inside of scripture that if you begin to feed, that if you begin to feed your faith, You will start watching as your faith starts increasing because you're like, if you said it in the word, then I believe that that's for me. And you can grab that key and you can begin to watch it unlock things in your life. Number one, it's intimacy with God. How do you increase your faith? Intimacy with God. Number two, it's feeding your faith through the word of God. And number three, you increase your faith through experiences. Like for for a lot of us, we've prayed and we've read the word and we've prayed and we've gone to church and you've given of your tithes And you serve on team and you've done these things inside of the church, but then there's something that comes after that Because this thing of spiritual authority is not something that's just positional where God just gives you everything you have to develop certain things That's why when you first came to Jesus, you were saying and you were probably using cuss words or you were still synchristic. Remember, you were using different things. And then as you learned, you started to move stuff around and you started to understand what maturity was and you started to change things. You started to mature in your faith. And now what happens is that as we begin to take these steps with Jesus, the way that we increase our faith, it has to be through experiences. It it, it was Wimbley, John Wimbley, who said these words. He said, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. There are experiences and things that you need to step into. When you go to your family gathering and everybody's there and your whole family is acting crazy and they're about to fight. And the Lord says inside of you, you need to slow this thing down and you need to pray right now. That you would step out of your comfort zone and say, hey, excuse me, everybody, but I, I just feel like I just want to pray right now. I remember in my own life, man, there were moments where I had to step out on faith. We, remember that term? I feel like we don't even use that anymore, stepping out on faith. like That doesn't even mean much to us because we have so much information. We have so much things that we can go online and learn and we can figure stuff out. If you don't know how to fix something, you can go online and figure it out. You can talk to somebody, call Amos, and he'll show you how to do it. Like We have all of this information but we, the idea of stepping out on faith or actually telling your coworker, hey, I felt like the Lord told me this and I want to share it with you. Those experiences will put you in a space where number one, you're in no man's land because it has little to do with you and you got to trust God. Lord, you need to speak to me right now because I don't know what to do. Amen. I need you to do this thing. But the more that you do that, the more that it actually begins to stretch you. Yeah. For some of us taking that step, maybe we've done the word and maybe we've done the praying and we've done the, the whole Jesus thing. For some of us, Experiences might just mean, yo, I need to jump on a team at the church and I need to run a computer or I need to welcome somebody as they come through the doors. Or maybe you need to play an instrument or or maybe you need to go and take care of of G kids and teach them how to become leaders. For you, stretching yourself and your experiences like, yo, I've never in my life, yo, I wasn't the guy that would get up on stage and talk. One of my favorite preachers is my wife. (laughs) One of my favorite preachers is my wife. My wife, there were times that I would tell her, hey, babe, can you go up there? No, don't ask me. No, I'm not doing none of that. Don't talk to me. I'm not. No, I don't want to go do that. No-. Maybe just say hi to the people. The people are all right. You say hi on our behalf. And now she's up here preaching, preaching because she stepped out on faith and her experiences actually developed. Her faith, your experiences are always going to develop your faith. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Number four. So number one, your intimacy with God. How do you increase your faith? It's intimacy with God. It's feeding your faith through the word. It's increasing your faith through experiences. Mama can't cut your meat anymore. Cut your own meat. And then number four, it's surrendering fear. Fear is the thing that's always going to take your eyes off of Jesus and put it on yourself. It's always going to take your eyes off of Jesus and put it on you, put it on everybody. You want to extend or you want to increase your faith. You got to stop taking, you got to take your eyes off of your problems. And for some of us, this is our problems. If I say that, they're going to think I'm dumb. What if it doesn't happen what I prayed for? What if they actually begin to, what if they leave me because of what I said? What if they ostracize me and push me outside of their group? What will it look like? I look like a fool if I jump out there and do it. And fear, which... Jason Peebles had a beautiful illustration and an acronym. It's false evidence appearing real. Satan is always going to paint this picture that it's always going to be the worst outcome. I'm not going to steal your thunder. I'm about to say something, but I'm going to leave it for you. <laughs> but fear is always this space that we find ourselves in where it's like, yo, everything's going to go wrong. If I do it, this bad thing is going to happen. If I do it, this is going to happen. And fear clouds everything. Here's what the Bible says. Take that fear because God didn't give it to you. He gave you the power, love, and a sound mind. He didn't give it to you. Bring it to the feet of Jesus. Cast your cares on me for I care for you. I'm going to bring this fear. Lord Jesus, I don't know how. Yo, I remember the day that me and my wife decided we're going to move up to, Miami, I mean, to, to Kennesaw, Georgia. At that point, we thought we were going to go to Woodstock. Yo, I've been a part of a church. I've preached on a stage. I've done things like that, but to lead an entire church to start something from scratch with nobody just a couple a handful of friends Yo, I thought to myself. Yo, you must be out of your mind I remember sitting there about to talk to the pastor and when I was about to speak to them I remember I walked to the door and I was like this is stupid. I'm not doing this. This is dumb like Because the enemies tried to lie to me right there Because I didn't know what was on the other side of that door. I Was at a conference not so long ago and there was a group of pastors that were there and I had the biggest bout with fear that I've ever had in my entire life. And I remember that I was standing there and I was like, yo, the Lord gave me a word to share with the person who was on stage. And I said, heck no, nah, I'm not doing that. You crazy? I'm gonna look like an idiot. There's, there's probably 120, 80 to 120 pastors, like people that could preach better than me. They know the Bible better than me. I'm like, there's no way I'm telling them that. But I felt like the Lord told me, you have to tell them that. And I said, no. And for bro, for about 20 minutes, it was like, God, I don't want to do this. And then he would go on the stage. I feel like somebody has a word. Like there's a prophetic word that God has given somebody and you just need to share it. I'm like, yo, I'm not doing that. God, I'm not doing that. He's like, you know what? I'm just going to open up the altars. And if you want to come and just be prayed for, come and be prayed for. And I said, okay, cool. I'm going to just go get prayed for because I'm not praying for you, bro. I'm not telling you what the Lord told me. And I remember I went up and the guy prayed for me and he was like, yeah, you have to open up your mouth. And I was like, bro, leave me alone, dog. Finished praying with him. I went back to my seat and the Lord's still going after me. Hey, I told you. And I was like, I'm not doing that. This is stupid. I'm not, I'm not taking this step. Like, I'm gonna look like an idiot. And yo, what ends up happening is that the guy on stage says, hey, I'm gonna close the night out. And I say, Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) And he says, before I close the night out, my friend has something he wants to say. And he begins. He, le- he says a word about somebody who was dealing with an infirmity. And sure enough, that person got healed. I mean, a beautiful moment. But then I said, okay, praise God. Now it's about healing. I'm done. I'm, I don't have to do it. Lord, I'm not. And the Lord's like, no, you have to do it. I'm like, I'm not going to do it. The time is over. Like, you missed it, Lord. <laughs> it's your fault. And this guy says, I'm going to close out in prayer. But I still feel like there's somebody here. You have a word. There's something that God wants. To. I'm like, yeah, praise God. Somebody else, because I missed my chance. He finishes praying. In Jesus' name, Lord, I pray and I thank you. Hey, guys, I'll see you tomorrow. This was the evening session. I'll see you tomorrow at the beginning. Man, I don't know, man. I just feel like there's somebody in here. And you just, I'm like, yo, close the service, my guy. Like, Let me go eat, barbecue. Like, And I was like, golly. And then he says, I just want to play some worship. I'm like, golly. I walk up to the front. And when I walk up to the front, I, I just, at this point, I was annoyed, so I stepped out on faith, but I, I began to tell him what I felt like the Lord told me. And this man, grown man, a church of over 4,000 people, I mean, just broke down and started crying. And then, then I was able to pray for him. And I mean, it was, just, it was just crazy what the Lord spoke to him in that moment. The reason I want to tell you this is because I want, you to, I want to show you fear. After I saw what came out of my mouth and the effects of it The Lord gave him comforted him it exhorted him and it edified him it built him up After I saw that I turned around and I went to walk back to my chair with my head down And I as I was walking in my mind. I was thinking to myself you idiot Why did you say that? None of that made sense. What did you even say? You didn't have three points. You didn't have scripture verification like you didn't go to your concordance and look it up in the Greek. You dummy. Why would you say that to him? And I just got my head down walking back and a guy grabs the microphone and says, hey, hey, turn around. I still got a little hood in me. So I turned around like, what's up? We finna, like, what's up? Like you yelling at me. What's up? So and he says, don't let Satan lie to you. It's not that you didn't have that in your tongue. It's that the Lord loosened your tongue and you have to be obedient. And in your obedience, you saw a miracle happen. Stop letting the enemy lie to you and stop walking in fear. Bro, at that moment, I felt like God was just talking to me. That entire struggle, somebody was going to get blessed out of what God asked me to be obedient with. But yet my fear held me back as a pastor, as a man of God. Hallelujah. All of that crap, because that's what fear does to you, bro. It handcuffs you and it does not allow you to walk in the full purpose and the destiny that God has available to you. You want to increase your faith? Make sure that you surrender your fear. Number five, and I'm wrapping this thing up. Number five is that you have to have personal reflection. You want to increase your faith with God? Have some time. I just mentioned it a little while ago where you actually schedule some time to think. Your faith increases when you begin to see, oh man, God actually did that. I remember when I applied for that and God gave it to me. I remember when I said, God, please, and I fasted and I prayed and and God gave it to me. And I remember being single and telling God, I don't care, Lord, give me a cross-eyed girl with two teeth and bow-legged. Like, I don't, I just, just give me a woman and a wife. And and then I thought it was one girl and I was like, Lord, give it to me. And then when we broke up, oh, he broke up with you. Then you cried. And it was just like, oh my God, you hate me, God. Why did this happen? And then God brought your husband or your wife and it was the best thing that could ever happen to you. And you look back on Facebook sometimes and you're like, thank you, Jesus, that I didn't go that way. My life would have been a disaster. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thinking back on those moments actually begins to build faith inside of you. As I think about the times in my own personal life and I see the things that God has done, my faith is increased. We have moments in our own personal life, and I just gave you five, that if you begin to do those on a regular basis, you will start watching as you start believing God for more. As you start believing God for more it activates the spiritual authority in you and you begin to start walking into the purpose and the things that God created for you but then there's a couple of things that God does to increase your faith and this is where we don't like it because we like the cushy yell at me tell me something funny yeah let's talk about the word of God I want to read it John three sixteen. for God so loved the world I know the entire Bible bro I'm a freaking theologist <laughs> but but there are things that God does to increase our faith that sometimes they don't feel so good, but they're good for you. It's in James chapter one, verses two and four. It says, my brother, my brethren, my sisterin, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Trials The things that you go through in life that they're not the happiest. They're not the funnest Those are the very things that God uses to be able to build up your faith so that you lack nothing The purpose of a teacher when you learn a material The purpose of a teacher giving you a test is not to show you how dumb you are or how weak you are But it's actually to remind you and to show you how much you've actually learned and how you mastered the material and there are things in your life that sometimes we take things that happen into our life and Sometimes we we fail the test and as we fail the test We see it through scripture the children of israel what ends up happening is that we take the test And when we take the test Our boss came in and told us. Hey, I need you to stay an extra hour And you popped off on them and you went off on them and you were like i'm done I don't want this job anymore and what happens is that we begin to walk in a cycle And then we end up right back in the same test And then the same test happens and the same test happens until the point where you actually begin to God shows you But you actually begin to take the test and you pass and at that moment It feels like you just increase like yo, I'm not falling for pornography anymore. I'm not falling for marijuana no more I'm not falling for alcohol no more and then Satan brings another test and you continue to move But God will use that to show and develop you and you start to actually grow in the purpose that God wants you to do But we don't like that It was Francis Phelanon in the book, Let's Go. One of my favorite, has become one of my favorite books. That he says, Phelanon, short little book. It's a devotional. I mean, very small. It says, death to self is painful because it touches that part of us that is most alive. If we are dead already, it wouldn't hurt when when God took the scalpel to it. Our own hands would never put the knife in the right place. We would cut away only a little of the fat and bring uh, and it would bring and bring about a few superficial Changes and even if we knew where the spot was located Self-love would hold back the knife and spare itself But the hand of god strikes in unexpected places Finds the very place where the infection is fastened and does not hesitate to cut it away Regardless of the pain and oh how self-love cries out well let it cry but don't let it interfere with the success of the operation there are trials that God brings into our life to help us not only to elevate and to grow in our faith but actually to mine and to remove things out of our life that we no longer need and it's painful and it hurts and we wouldn't choose that path but God does it he uses trials and I'm closing with this he also uses his redeeming work There are things that have happened to us that are not a matter of testing. That God is not testing you through this. There are things in your life that God hasn't orchestrated them to be able to increase your faith. But these are traumas. These are things that have happened to us that are a product of a fallen and broken world. God doesn't bring rape into your life. He doesn't bring divorce into your life. He doesn't bring racism into your life. These are things that are effects of a fallen world, of people in our world who are broken just as much as we are broken. But God will redeem those moments. He would actually use those moments of the greatest hurt in your life to, be actually, to actually produce spiritual faith inside of you. I want to show you something. In Romans 8 chapter 28, and I don't have it. I don't think I have it on the scriptures. It says that all things work to the good of those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. That means that everything that goes on around you, I mean the pain, the trauma. Yo, we've experienced some stuff, y'all. These things God would actually take which the enemy meant to kill you with and God uses pain as a platform to produce faith in your life he will take these broken moments and he will create beautiful moments of it out of it is that not the gospel like I mean as you think about being falsely accused being beaten punched kicked marred striped blood coming out of your entire body pinned up on a cross like I mean as you think about that entire deal with a guy who all he wanted to do was help people a guy who all he did was preach about peace and love and and joy and hey why don't you get closer to God the, the creator of heaven has come back to restore this relationship with you. He's healed the blinded eyes. He's lifted the people who were dead and brought them back to life. People who were paralyzed in mats, he brought them back to life. This Jesus who lived such a beautiful life. You fast forward the tape to the Easter season. And he's broken. He's beat up. He's accused. He's lied on. I mean, real trauma, y'all. I mean, for some of us, we've had, we've experienced sexual abuse. We've experienced people walking out on us, people deserting us. We've experienced some pretty hard moments. I think if you want to put a hard moment at the top, it's to the very point where somebody kills you. And yet, this was the very step that Jesus took. And the reason why he took that step is to create access for you to have a relationship with him. What do I mean by that? Thank you our life the things that we have done wrong and if I'm honest with you the things that we think we have done right they fall short of God's glory they fall short of who God is you're painting a Picasso God paints the stars and the moon he creates children it's hard for you to match up and what happens is that when we try to bring these bad things and these good things we can't come to God there's a block there that block is called sin but here it is the gospel that Jesus would live a sinless life that he would die for your sins but then three days later he would resurrect from that death with the keys to death hell and the grave he would bring back and restore the relationship with you and God that's called salvation so now no longer do you have to worry about this impeding thing that doesn't allow you come to god jesus has broke that thing through his blood and he's actually made it so you can have a relationship with god i mean how beautiful is that that one day all of us will spend all eternity with god there won't be a tear there won't be pain there won't be the trauma or the things that we see because of this broken world there won't be no more trauma there won't be no more issues we'll spend all of eternity with god and kingdom in his glory that came because he suffered that came because he went through trauma for you and there are times in our own personal life where we're gonna go through trauma god's gonna redeem that but before he ever takes a step to redeem the trauma in your life he's gonna take the step to redeem you and i don't know where you are on this journey i don't know how you made it the greater you've been coming for a while Maybe this is the first time that you've been confronted, whether you're in person or you're watching online, with this idea that, yo, he paid a pretty big price for me so that I can have a relationship with God, so that I can have the peace that I'm dying for, so that depression, anxiety, addiction no longer have to have a hold on me, but that I can find freedom. That freedom comes through Jesus. It is in Scripture, in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that he says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, And you believe in your heart that God raised them from the dead, that you shall be saved. So on a day like today, to respond to the pain, the hurt, the redeeming work of Jesus, it's as simple as a prayer in faith. Would you do me a favor and would you bow your head and would you close your eyes for just a second? Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. We hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving online, and learn more about what is happening in the life of our church. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on all social media platforms at mygreater.church.